You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. The history of today's gospel, which was a doozy, in the uh, week of your preacher, Monday, my mother came to visit over the weekend, and we spent her last night in hours of discussion, as we usually do. Quickly, the conversation turned to religion, and in our reminiscing, we recalled how much the story of faith in our family has been one of strife and division going back generations. The Catholics became Presbyterians because of the Pope. The Presbyterians became Baptists because they wanted to be certain they were saved. The Baptists became Methodists and Episcopalians because they don't believe women and LGBT people are second and third class Christians. And though at the time of this conversation, I honestly hadn't gotten around to reading this week's gospel, God was beginning to help me wrestle with the truth of what we just read, that throughout the history of the church, households have been divided, father against son, daughter against mother, divided in the, pursuit of good, in the pursuit of good news that is a constantly evolving target. Because what was good news to one generation is no longer enough for the next. So many of you in this congregation know firsthand the way that the Holy Spirit uses this great generational strife to ultimately tear down the walls that would otherwise keep us trapped in status quo and not rocking the boat, all in the the name of peace. In fact, here at House, we have an informal club of folks whose families took it personally when they left their former churches to join this church. They get together to break bread and share stories because when you're in the middle of the strife, it can feel like you're all alone. And you begin to wonder if the tense Thanksgiving dinners, the Facebook rants, and the unanswered phone calls are leading anywhere at all. But when I watched my own mother help set up our liturgy last week, the the mother that I verbally excommunicated many times and vice versa, I realized that the strife is leading somewhere. I was reminded that God is dragging us all, kicking and screaming, into a new world and into a new household that is so much bigger than the Umbers or the Bowles-Webbers or the Hoffmans. And while the pain is still pain and we might turn our backs on each other for a moment, this new household of God isn't meant to erase our families of origin. Rather, it enlargens our family of origin and destroys the kingdoms of this world that would keep our family so small. God's love so small, and our own love so small. Tuesday. Exhausted from the church move, my mom's visit, and the constant text messages from CNN that my phone won't let me forget about that there is seemingly endless divisions in our world. I tried really hard to bury my head beneath the pillows for just one day. Yet, prone to guilt, I decided that I should at least engage in a little theological reflection, and so I read today's gospel and turned to my favorite biblical commentary, Netflix. 
And as, you, as those of you who know my viewing taste, I put on a fairly obscure British movie called 44-inch chest. It's about a middle-aged man named Colin whose wife of 30-some-odd years is leaving him for a much younger French waiter. At a certain point, Colin has a panic attack. He can't believe that his wife has left him, and he bemoans the fact that he isn't more like his friend named Meredith, Meredith who seems unaffected by life's up and downs. Meredith, the friend, responds, Maybe I'm cowardly, but I choose to live my life without entanglements, without turmoil. But you possess different qualities, Colin. Your capacity to love leaves you vulnerable. The exchange between the characters reminded me of how often I use the concept of peace to hide my fear of entanglements and conflict. And so I wondered if it was this kind of peace that Jesus said he did not come to bring. Peace that is really fear that if I speak my mind, people won't like me and I'll be abandoned. Peace that is really fear of failure. Peace that is really the need for rest, but a need I don't articulate because I'm afraid you'll think I'm lazy, weak, or a hypocrite. I wondered if this is the kind of peace that Jesus opposes. Peace that isn't peace at all, but instead the very seed of division. Dishonest fear that masquerades as its opposite in order to manipulate life to our own ends. So it's, it's as if Jesus is saying that he didn't come to feed the lies we tell each other to give us a false sense of security. Instead, Jesus came to pull the curtain back and name all of our fear turmoil, and division so that we can stop hiding our humanity and lean into the promise that God will one day tear down all that divides us so that all that's left is love. Thursday. Thursday morning, I had breakfast with one of our housemates, Joshua Smith. We discussed God's relationship to order versus chaos, as you do. We discussed how often we use the word peace when what we really mean is order. In fact, the word used for peace in today's gospel, irene, can also mean calm, order, or status quo. Human history shows that we are hardwired to yearn for a certain amount of order. The scientific world that we live in is built upon the notion that everything can be ordered into categories and that Truth with a capital T can only emerge from a close analysis of the order of things. And for the most part, religion is, has also been a way of seeking to order what we don't understand. But order itself, it's not the problem. Order can be helpful. The problem is when we turn order into an idol you know, too often we religious folk project our need for order onto God. Assuming that if we like order, then God must gravitate towards perfect order herself. Therefore, all that falls outside of our neat and tidy categories, we eventually come to believe that all that stuff will also fall outside God's love and mercy. Friday. 
On Friday, I started reading Ta Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me. Coates is an African-American correspondent for The Atlantic, and in his book, he publishes a series of gut-wrenching letters to his teenage black son about the harsh reality that he cannot escape the violence that slavery and racism will inflict in his son's body. Throughout the letters, he urges his son and thus all his readers to reject rushing to concepts like peace as a way of hiding our head in the sand and denying the ways that our divisions impact the minute-by-minute lives of ourselves and others. So Coates says to his son, you have to make peace with chaos, but you cannot lie. You cannot forget how much they took from us and how they transfigured our very bodies into sugar, tobacco, cotton, and gold. This peace that does not lie, that comes beside chaos and names it for what it is, this is the peace of Christ. Every week when we gather here and say that the peace of Christ is among us, right here, right now, we are living into a peace that is rooted in the gospel of death and resurrection. That though salvation is God's gift for us all, it is never easy because God's transformation happens right beside all the pain and suffering in our lives. Right beside the very real pain of turning our backs on each other, God is leading us back to each other. Right beside our hatred for each other, God is leading us back to loving each other. And even beside our killing of each other, God is leading us towards a world where we will all live together eternally. Our divisions and death are never the last word. They are only the beginning. Later that night, I stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch the Persid meteor meteor shower. I sat staring at the night sky for an hour before I saw anything. But at 1.30, the magic began, and every few minutes, I saw a flash of fire and then a long tail as the meteors burned up in their journey through Earth's atmosphere. At one point, I saw a meteor that looked like the size of a golf ball, against the sky, and trailing behind it was a long band of blue smoke. It was amazing. As I watched that fiery rock fall, I thought of another verse from earlier in Luke's gospel, where Jesus says, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. In that moment, God was reminding me reminding me through that heavenly display and through Tanahisi sorrow and through my conversations with Joshua and my mother that by pointing to the division and the strife, we aren't conceding to it. We are naming it for what it really is. As Jesus says in today's gospel, a sign. A sign that Satan is falling like lightning. While the division and the strife are real, they are a sign that we are living in a world where the demonic powers and principalities are being dismantled one by one until that day when God will finish the job. They are the sign that we are living inside of the great undoing, and therefore the divisions 
These divisions aren't the sign of the end. They are the sign of God's beginning. The beginning of a new heaven and a new earth. Thanks be to God. Amen.